This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, thanks for dropping in. As the lady said, I'm Larry Walsh here at Channelnomics and welcome to Changing Channels, of course, joined again by my fake cloud. Um, you know, they say it takes money to make money. And one of the ways that vendors use to use money to make money is through enablement of partners. Now, partners are the means by which vendors get product to market, service their customers, provide that ongoing support. So naturally they need, you know, enablement or what many call training. The partners tell us, though, that they don't have the same view of the training necessity of the training imperative. Yes, they want to be enabled. Yes, they want to support their vendors and they want to know what they're doing with product. But they often tell us that they don't necessarily see the value in training or the certifications that are derivative of training. Why? Because the training typically focuses on product, not necessarily on use cases or workloads. Um, they don't translate well into value propositions. Yes, customers may use them to, you know, training then the certifications that partners have to differentiate them from others while they're making selections. But really what they're looking for is knowledge and skills and the ability. Um, that's not always true with all vendors. It's not always true with all vendor technology programs. Uh, and in fact, in more complex offerings, training actually is an imperative because even if it is focusing on the product, it is, an, it is an absolutely necessity to familiarize and get partners up to speed on how to use it and how to effectively support it. Now, not all vendors take it to the next level, which is being able to help nurture and curate partners into a level of expertise, help them get from that first touch to that first dollar in the fastest way possible, and then continue on with it to help them through the continuous journey of the partnership. One company that's doing that is ERP Market Leader, as well as a really one of the front runners in ERP in the cloud, Oracle NetSuite. Uh, and they have this marvelous program called Sweet Life that is more than just, I would say, it's more than just an enablement program. It truly is the embodiment of partnership, helping partners through a real high touch model to go from that initial onboarding to first dollar and to also continue to uh, mature uh, their practices. Joining us here today to talk about Sweet Life and how it enables partners to get to success faster and build upon that success is uh, Oracle NetSuite's uh, GVP, the Group Vice President of Channel Alliances, Craig West. Craig, welcome to Changing Channels. Thank you, my pleasure to be here. So Craig, why don't we start by, you know, first I said, you know, that this is an imperative for some technologies. ERP is not a, I would say, um, I wouldn't say it is your commoditized application. It's not the simplest thing to do. So, but sure. more so than that, what what is it that drove uh, this entire culture of enablement that you've developed at Oracle NetSuite? Us acknowledging the reality of just what ERP in the cloud was, and you know, for us, this is going back to you know, literally when when we were borderline inventing the cloud, right, in '99 and 2000 with the first versions of NetSuite, and. You know, in those days, we would do four major upgrades to the product a year. And, you know, to keep our, you know, to keep our partners abreast of all that change, enablement was just core in what we did, right? And that was, in those days, honestly, very simple enablement. It was just kind of feature function, right? I mean, this is a very 
very new emerging technology, a reasonably immature product feature function-wise in those days. And so it was really just, you know, how do we make sure our partners understand how this product works and how to configure it uh, to deliver services? But that really started us on this journey uh, of what's become one of the key tenets to our sweet life offering now, which is that this sort of continuing professional education thread, right? That, you know, at the end of the day, you know, consultants in our ecosystems are indeed professionals, right? These, I mean, there's no doubt they, they are, uh, you know, uh, folks that take credentials uh, in the products they represent seriously, but may have other credentials. They might be certified public accountants. They could be, they could be other credentialed professionals as well. And so the notion of CPE, that continuing professional education is really common with these folks. And so, you know, we've really always looked foundationally at, you know, as CPE as a requirement, how we always keep those partners up to speed on product. What was kind of really the net new to us uh, was really the whole rest of that journey, right? The business planning journey, the goal setting journey, the alignment between our business goals and the business goals of our partners to be sure we're getting the best mutual outcomes. Uh, and those were things that we evolved over the years. And then really recently um, with the launch of Sweet Life Now, three or so years ago, got you know, really, really reorganized around in a, in a new and we think innovative way. When you launched Sweet Life a couple of years ago, it really was a bit of a departure because it's more than just enablement. It really is ongoing engagement. What changed or what was the thinking behind the, behind the creation of Sweet Life? By the way, it's just S-U-I-T-E life. Um, just yeah. want to make sure that people aren't thinking that this is like, you know, some, some sugar fueled um, enablement, yeah. <laughs> you know, enablement program, but you know, what, what was the thinking though, that said to you, you know, or what caused you to look at it and say, look, we need something more than just the annual class. We need something more than just the recertification that we needed to actually get in the trenches and continuously work with the partners on an, an enablement level. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it was a couple of things, right. And certainly at the highest level, it was predicated on us, you know, meeting our business goals, right, which fundamentally continue to be this just unbelievable growth, right? And so um, when we looked at achieving that business goals and needing our partners to just be an absolutely foundational element of that success, there was an element of rigor and an element of velocity to that um, that we just felt we didn't have and that we couldn't control, right? And I think, you know, if we look back pre-Sweet Life, I really feel like, you know, it's kind of a, if we use the, the roadmap analogy, right? Like I felt like we could say to a partner, we're going to go on this trip together, right? This journey. And we've got an amazing map. We've got the most prescriptive map um, with all the detours and the pit stops and the highlights and everything you could possibly need. But when you give someone that map, they all, everyone interprets that map a little differently, right? Some people get in the fast lane and go as fast as they can. Other people get off at the first exit and take the back roads. And then maybe they get distracted by some beautiful view, right? Um, and it left a lot to chance. And when we look back at partners who have maybe been partners two years, three years, four years, very rarely was there not success. But I think when we all looked back, we just realized we could have done a lot of this more quickly if we'd been a little bit more focused. And so one of the core tenets of Sweet Life was, you know, how do we make this more curated, more driven and leave less to chance by putting ourselves in the driver's seat more actively with our partners? Um, and in addition to that, um, sort of redirecting their effort from what we saw a very common behavior of, which is building their own enablement, right? To just utilizing what we were building. We, we're already hiring more professional services consultants to service NetSuite than they are. Yeah, we're, we're hiring more of, every, of everything and had a strong feeling that our internal 
enable them is already the state of the art, right? So we were a little confused about why partners would exert their effort and their dollars to rebuild their own NetSuite enablement tools when ours were every bit as good, if not better, and being updated more quickly. And we could just push those things out. Then we, would, again, would just further drive more outcomes with more predictability and more velocity. And those were kind of the real drivers behind why, why we did what we did when we did it. Yeah. The... What you're describing, though, is that handholding. I don't mean I don't mean to make that sound like a negative. I mean it really is. It sounds very collaborative. That it's you know that you take this concept of enablement, that initial onboarding, and continue on with that that field engagement, this ongoing relationship. But that also sounds like the job of the channel account manager. So how does this differ when you're talking about? ensuring that they get the training is, you know, helping them get access to resources, helping them understand best practices, helping, you know, doing that joint yeah. business plan with them. It really does sound like the thing that an account manager should be doing with their partners anyway. So how does Sweet Life differ from that motion? Well, you know, it's funny because you are a little bit, you know, like it's sort of music to my ears, right? At the end of the day, yeah. if you're a channel manager and I hand you new, a new partner, I'm not sure what's more important than enabling that new partner. But there, there is an element of, again, that, that channel manager still got a revenue target to make, right? And so they're going to make that with their established partners and they're not, not likely going to make it with the new ones. And so we just dedicated teams, right? We just said at the end of the day, our investment to this has to be dedicated teams that, I mean, yeah, sure, they've got a bit of a revenue target, but it's a revenue target they can only make through the success of new partners, right? And so we did bifurcate the business a bit where we took the mature partners and have them managed by a group of, of channel managers who know how to run that run rate business, so to speak. And that took another dedicated team uh, to just say, hey, you, you know, you're a new partner. We've got a mutually agreed business plan. We've got an enablement playbook. Let's agree to the stops on the road and when we're going to get to those stops and the mutual investments and the deliverables that each of us have to have. And let's hold ourselves accountable to meet those things. And that's, you know, that starts, you know, really even before they sign up, we do a lot of that business planning pre contract acquisition or contract execution. Um, and then right away to a kickoff call where we sure all the stakeholders are on a kickoff call. Everybody understands their mutual obligations uh, and the we agree on the timelines and then really just try and hold everyone to those timelines um, with that, you know, that, you know, that sort of North star of getting that first deal, right? We, we all know, you know, like every new practice reaches some degree of success when you just book that first bit of revenue, right? And so, um, you know, there's all kinds of distractions out there, especially in an ecosystem growing as fast as NetSuite, right? I could, I could pick up some orphan work here or pick up a rogue services contract there, or I can kind of focus on that North Star, which is let me find a net new customer who's on some other, you know, uh, non-functional piece of technology and get them on NetSuite and deliver that really great experience to them. And so, you know, we really hold, try and hold their focus on that North Star behavior and then try and just make it happen as quickly as we can uh, in a collaborative way. Yeah. You know, what you're describing sounds, sounds logical. Bifurcate. So separate your existing partners, your established partners from your new partners or your developing ones, and then apply resources that will allow them to grow faster or curate through, through, your, through your system and into your market segment better. That also sounds expensive. So how do you, how does this work from, on an economic level, and how does Oracle NetSuite justify the expense that goes into developing and maintaining a program as high touch as this? Well, you know the, the the beauty of Oracle NetSuite right now is we're not afraid to invest in growth, 
right? And that, that simple reality is, you know, when you look at a channel model, model, there are two levers for growth, right? You grow your current mature partners, you grow their business or, you know, what, what we like to call same store sales, right? Or you add new partners and, and create new business from those new store sales. And obviously we're thoroughly committed to both. Um, but honestly, it's really reasonably uh, economically feasible for us to invest in those new store sales if we can drive the growth in return for that that we need. Um, and uh, that, that's honestly really the way we look at it, right? It's just if, if we can, uh, if the, you know, I mean, we've always invested in partner recruiting, right? Which is already a heavily enough, heavy enough investment. And then, so the incremental investment of just sort of onboarding um, wasn't that big of a leap. Uh, and the results we've seen, you know, in the, in the time period we've been at it, you know, super easy metrics I can put out there, something like a 50% shorter time to first deal, right? Um, right now on average, uh, as one example, it just, it, the, the results have been so easy to quantify and measure against our investment um, that it's, if anything, we're, you know, accelerating our investment there. Yeah. I was going to say this, that, you know, time that, you know, time to market is hugely important. You know, how much of a difference does that make in terms of attracting those partners that they actually see some like sweet life and say, you know, if I go through this process, there is going to be a shorter route to market, there's going to be a better, a better return. How else do you demonstrate the value of this commitment, both internally, yeah, externally to the partners, but also internally to your stakeholders? Right. Well, you know, Internal tends to be pretty easy when the results are there, right? I mean, it is a bit of a meritocracy. And so uh, when the results are there, internal, internally kind of takes care of itself. Um, there is no doubt externally um, that the, the credibility on our ability to deliver on this promise, because at the end of the day, sweet life is a promise, right? It, it's a promise that our plan uh, and their effort and our mutual investment is going to get us to the promised land. And, and the promised land obviously is a, is a revenue producing profitable practice. Um, and so, you know, we're pretty open kimono with them on sharing the plan and sharing the playbook. Um, we're, we were lucky that we've built, um, you know, intentionally sort of a very, you know, a, an ecosystem that is, you know, really built on the whole uh, co-opetition kind of framework, right? Where a partner they're going to be competing with one day might very, have very easily done a reference call with them before they sign contracts, right? To talk about their experience with onboarding, their ex experience with Sweet Life, the experience they had building their practices, and so, you know, we use all those elements to, to influence that potential partner to make the necessary investments uh, to build a NetSuite practice. Because, you know, one, one of the things we've known, we've known for a long time is you cannot dabble in ERP. This is not a dabble, right? I mean, there might be some applications you can dabble in, especially business applications. Maybe you can do a little analytics. Maybe you can do a little CRM. You know, ERP is not something you can dabble in, right? And so... You know, one of the core elements is if you're going to partner with NetSuite, you're committing to building a practice. You're not committing to dedicating a person or two. Yeah. Um, and so the, that means the investment is substantial. And if the investment is substantial, us having that skin in the game on our side and, the, and those teams that are that really show we're behind um, driving that success uh, as much as they are has been, uh, you know, a really positive influence for us in, in accelerating uh, and maintaining that recruiting momentum as well. Yeah. You know, something you said there, I'm going to, I'm going to write it down is, you know, Oracle NetSuite is a meritocracy. Hadn't heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I've never been in a more laid back organization than anyone connected with Oracle. So <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe I'm only speaking for the NetSuite, the NetSuite business unit. Um, <laughs> my purview doesn't extend terribly beyond that, to be clear. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> I, you know, of course, I'm kidding as well. Uh, you know, there there is one thing is that you know you're right. Nobody can really dabble in ERP. I mean, this is and you know you're talking about your origins going back into you know '99 or so. I remember the first time I heard ERP. It was a commercial by. Um, I won't use their name. I'll just use their initials, IBM. And they, you know, and they were talking about, you know, the people sitting at the airport talking about enterprise resource planning. And it sounded complex then, and it's equally yeah. complex now. But yeah. there's something about Sweet Life that really does, you know, it uh, really does make me pay attention a bit more is that in exactly what you were saying earlier, that it's more than just about the technology. It is about the best practices. It's about the sales motions. It's about the business planning and the alignment. Yeah, how did you? How did you get the partners to buy into into that? Because you know, one of the things that the the partner community is very attuned to is thinking about enablement as a technical investment, is as a as a skills, a technical skills. Uh, a, a acquisition more so than the sales acquisition. How did you, mm -hmm. or even the business planning side of it, how did you move beyond that with them? Well, you know, part of it was, I think, you know, kind of the basis and some of the, what I talked about before, which is that, you know, again, I, I, I mean, and we, we learned a little of this from some of our partners. Some of our most successful partners are the consulting divisions at the large CPA firms, right? And CPA firms allocate dollars for continuing professional education um, to their professionals, right? And so we were able to kind of a little bit take that model and look at every partner and say, at the end of the day, you allocate dollars to ensure your consultants, your sellers, your demoers, you know, everyone on your team is always state-of-the-art and is on the razor's edge from a, from a training standpoint. Let's find a way to get those dollars organized in a way that works for us mutually. Um, and so there, that, you know, there was part of just using that existing playbook um, that was out there around just you know, taking a, a harmonized look at, you know, the cost of having, um, you know, or the investment that's required in having professionals that are, that are trained to, to the standards. Um, and then with us, it was then taking, you know, the things that we were building to train our professionals to those standards and then make them customer facing and partner facing in such a way that they could then consume them. Um, rather than, than, as I alluded to before, rebuilding it all on their own. And so yeah. it wasn't really that big of a leap, honestly, when we got organized around looking at it. Um, and that, that was really phase one. What were, you know, the, 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 if there is a pivot now, the pivot now is really the one around this alignment notion. I mean, I, I think our partner community is tired of, you know, probably, probably worn thin of me talking on alignment. Um, because, you know, in theory, there's always alignment you know, especially with a new partner, but it's like version one alignment, right? They come in, they want to build a practice that creates revenue and it's successful. We want the same thing, right? But going forward, one of the challenges we really, you know, acutely understand um, is partner success and publisher success are not always aligned, right? When they're, you know, when, when an ecosystem is growing like ours is, adding customers at record rates all over the world, there is unlimited work out there, right? Unlimited work. And it's easy for a partner to get distracted by this shiny project there or that shiny project here, um, rather than kind of commit to the hard stuff, right? To that sort of cradle to grave, how I do demand gen, how I target customers, how I nurture those prospects, how I ultimately win that business and, and succeed in it going forward and really own that customer end to end. And that's where the alignment thing has come in, where we're really said, guys, we have to find ways um, to be sure we're meeting each other's business goals um, on the things that are most important. Right. Um, sort of on those top of the food chain behaviors. 
And that's, you know, that's been really our most recent pivot, um, you know, this year really is, is taking that business planning and honing it down to being sure that we all are in agreement on what those top of the food chain behaviors are um, and that we're all working toward the, to, toward the same goals on those. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not tired of hearing you talk about alignment, though, is that because from my perspective, I think that that is one of the uh, misnomers of the vendor partner relationship that's that there should be partners should be lockstep with their vendors. And, you know, they have their own priorities. You have your own priorities. There should be there should be alignment in terms of there's, you know, that there's mutual interest and, you know, there should be some mutual outcomes, but how close do you look to draw that alignment? You know, do you want to have it being a tight closed bond or can there be still alignment with independence? I I mean, I think there has to be alignment with independence, right? I mean, I mean, our partners are not our agents. Um, You know, they run independent businesses. And so obviously, and not all of them run businesses where hundred percent of the revenue comes from NetSuite. Right, they they may have businesses that revenues come from other other functional areas or other or other publishers' product lines, right? And so I think there has to be that alignment with independence. But to me, you know, if if you peel that back, you know, kind of almost what's key is is alignment on the metrics that we want to measure the most, um, and on what those metrics should ultimately be, right? And so, um, you know, I'm not going to argue too much. With a partner, you know, whether if they feel like their top line revenue should grow 20% or 25% or 30%, I'm not going to tell them one's right or one's, one's more right or one's more wrong, right? But what I am going to argue with them on is um, the percentage our new, cust- our new customer count should be growing. The, the customer the amount revenues from new, from new customers should be growing versus revenues from existing customer renewals versus expansion of current customers. We've got the best optics on that because we've got optics of every NetSuite customer. They have optics to just theirs. And so that, that's a place where we can take our best practices and our learnings and share those with them and tell certain partners, hey, you outperform the norm. You're doing really great here. Maybe you're doing really great everywhere versus to other partners, you underperform versus the norm. And what can we, know, now that you know that, what can we do to optimize, about, optimize on that? And so um, there is an element of independence, but also there's an element of we're, we're going to agree on the things we're going to align on and we're going to get aligned on them and measured on them. Um, and even this year, we we even changed our annual. One of the changes we made this year as well is, you know, we changed our annual business planning commitment with our partners from once a year to twice a year. Right? Um, I want to do originally wanted to do it four times a year, and I felt like our partners would be like, no way, like I'm not letting you all my business that often. Um, but we did, you know, we literally did say, let's do it twice a year instead of one. Right? Like, let's just be sure we have hard, prescriptive, programmatic touch points twice a year rather than just once a year, and. Um, you know, we'll be starting to do the first of those, uh, you know, later this year. And we're, we're really looking forward to having something that's, you know, that's, that's much more rigorous even on that. Yeah. One of the things you said is that uh, Sweet Life does improve and expedites time to market, getting that first dollar. Um, can your partners graduate from the program? Is it a goal to get to wean them off the program or how does that work? Absolutely you're shaking, not. You're shaking no. your head. Okay. So you yeah. don't, you're in it forever. Problem. Like you're there's in no it to question. win it. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> so there is, it is no- I mean, and that is the point, right? There are different sort of threads to the sweet life. Right. And it's, you know, the, the, the idea of the sweet life is the game of life a little bit, right. You know, like you advance through this game of life and there's, you know, maybe you take the college track, maybe you take the uh, other track. Right. And so, you know, there is a thread that's that new partner thread. And then there is that sort of mature partner thread, right? That always evolves. And then beyond that, 
you know, if you just look at some of the really interesting things we've been doing at, at Suite since the Oracle acquisition, where, you know, we're now taking Net Oracle's technologies and making them available to NetSuite, like the Oracle planning and budgeting suite and other things like that, where now you're a NetSuite partner who knows ERP. Well, now I'm making EPM available to you, right? Well, I need Suite Life to enable you on EPM if you want to build an EPM practice, right? And so, you know, we're continuing to see the NetSuite footprint broaden, which really then just keeps Suite Life just as relevant for even our most mature partners as we uh, expand pro uh, the product areas, expand product lines, um, and mature the technologies from there. And so it really is like a perpetual uh, a perpetual membership. I, 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 it's almost like enablement as a service, right? I mean, like we need another another AAAS uh, acronym, but uh, you know, it is a little bit of like EAAS, right? Enablement as a service, and that you're yeah. always gonna be a member and you're just always gonna be utilizing the, the bits of it that best meet where you are on the maturity curve and, and what our mutual business goals are. No. So looking forward, I mean, you've, uh, you keep evolving the program. It's been around for a couple of years, but it does continue to change. Where is it going next? Well, actually, I, I just kind of alluded to a lot of where it's going next, right? I mean, we're doing some really great stuff with, uh, you know, as a member of the Oracle family now with bringing their technologies down. Um, we've got a couple down. There's a couple more coming down in, in, in the coming months that, you know, I think are just going to really be great levers for our partners to grow even more, right? As if you can't grow enough just doing NetSuite, right? Um, but to be able to, you know, continue to add more customers the way you're adding them, but go to those current customers and say, hey, what are you using for planning and budgeting? What are you using for data warehouse? What are you using for analytics? Oh, by the way, I can now represent these amazing Oracle technologies bundled up with NetSuite to you um, and now enable us to have those NetSuite practices, not just be ERP practices, but be EPM practices, be data warehouse practices, be analytics practices and continue to grow our footprints there. And so that's obviously one of the really, really big areas we're focused on, which is a bit of a pivot back, right? After spending a lot of time on that new partner onboarding and how we get those new partners more successful, now it's a little bit of a ricochet back to, okay, how can we do more? How do we double down on the existing partners that help them accelerate their growth, which does then extend the journey of the new partners as well. Um, and so that you know, that's certainly one of the biggest things um, that we're working on right now, you know, near term. Very good. Well, Craig, it's been great having you here on Changing Channels, sharing your, your insights and your experiences on enabling partners, particularly with your Sweet Life program. So Craig West, the Group Vice President of Channel Alliances at Oracle NetSuite, thanks for joining. Again, my pleasure. Happy to have been here. And everyone, thanks again for stopping by Changing Channels. Join us next time when we bring you more insights into what's happening around the channel and how we're getting products to market. Until then, thanks. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.